Welcome everybody and thank you for tuning into the Spark Experience. My name is Mario Matichek and I'm your host. If you're listening to this podcast, it means that you're interested in change and learning new things. On the Spark Experience, we talk about business strategies, mindset strategies and coaching strategies to ignite your potential. Today we are joined by Emma Doyle who has an incredible journey to share with us all. She started with such humble beginnings and realized that it's not important to compare yourself with others, but it is important to maximize your own potential and stretch your comfort zone to become the best you can. Emma started right at the grassroots level and is now an international speaker, coach, and mentor to thousands of people. Today, we are so lucky to be joined by such an open-minded and caring leader who has over 30 years of experience who will share what she has learned and how you can maximize your potential. Make sure you stay tuned so you can implement some of these strategies into your own life. Welcome, everybody, to the Spark Experience. It's an absolute honor to have Emma Doyle on the show today, where we will discuss how to unleash your potential and developing a growth mindset. Welcome, Emma, and thank you for your time. Pleasure, Mario. Uh, Yeah, really great to be on your show, and I just want to straight off say how proud I am of you and how far you've come in your coaching journey, Um, and you're still so young. You're an absolute game changer, and it's a pleasure to, uh, to continue to be a part of your journey. So thanks for having me, mate. Thank you, Em. That's uh, really nice, especially coming from you. I really, really appreciate that. Before we start, I just want to say that I love Em. She's been one of the one of my biggest influences on my coaching career, and someone that's believed in me from the start. The reason why I love having Em as my mentor is that she leaves the ego at the door, and it's pure analytical thinking instead of emotion based thinking. And that's something that I, I love and I really appreciate because when I need to pull my head in, she won't have an issue saying, "Mario, it's a much bigger picture than that. Get over yourself and move forward." And that's priceless because there's so much mentoring or coaching where a lot of it's sugar-coated and people just try and keep the client at any cost. So, Em, thank you for that. Pleasure, mate. Uh, like I said, uh, yeah, no, it is important that we have mentors. I have mentors in my life and, you know, we need them uh, throughout the journey just to, to keep us on track and keep us uh, stretching our comfort zone. Yes, definitely, definitely. So, Em, would you mind giving the listeners a quick rundown of your journey so far? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much see it in, in chapters. Uh, the first the first chapter of significance was just the fact that I actually took my first coaching lesson at the age of 14. I'm sure not many people start that young, but uh, the kick serve had just come out and there was only one coach that sort of knew how to teach it. So to get an extra private lesson, I took my first ever lesson, walked off the court and thought, this is the greatest job in the world, get to wear your trackies and have fun and work with kids and uh, absolutely loved it. And you know, from that moment on, um, I wanted to become the best coach I could. So that was, you know, a great insight in the early years. The next chapter was, you know, before I was working on becoming the best coach that I could, I, I needed to maximise my playing potential. So that chapter was about, you know, jumping on a plane from Melbourne, Australia and landing in Murfreesboro, you know, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, at playing college tennis at MTSU. It was a, an unbelievable experience. Uh, the next chapter was then I went on you know, to gain overseas experience and, you know, went to, at the time in the 90s, Florida was really the mecca of tennis academies. So, you know, just going over there and seeing if I could see what they see and, and learn from the great coaches um, that I'd heard about. And, uh, you know, even though I didn't have a job, just sort of rocked up and said, if you can give me free food and accommodation, I'll, I'll coach for free. And if after a week, if you think I'm no good, then get rid of me. So that yeah. was uh, probably for another podcast. But that really then, I guess, helped me transition into starting my first ever business, Tennis Innovations at Oak Park Tennis Club. 
um, had two kids and uh, grew that to um, over 400 kids a week and four clubs. It was pretty cool in the northern suburbs. The next chapter transitioned into coaching on the tour with um, high-performance mainly junior players for five years, a couple of years, uh, and then with the seniors. And, you know, that was an incredible experience of team coaching and coaching on the road and you know, all those qualities where you're in charge of people's lives and you've got to get a result. It also catapulted me out of tennis because I was really burnt out. So that was the next chapter when I left tennis and began to study everything to do with personal growth and human development just to understand people better and thought I would be leaving sport. But as you can imagine, once I realised that I had to change who I was to increase my coaching toolkit, it it catapulted me back into the world of uh, tennis, sport and corporate speaking. And um, coach education was the next chapter for 10 years. And then finally, I'm now in my eighth year of um, speaking internationally. So just a little bit of a snapshot there, I guess, more so to highlight and show, yeah, I've had a real holistic journey from grassroots right through to high performance players and uh, almost feel like I go full circle quite often and uh, yeah that's it's that's been the chapters so far yes yeah no I think it's uh, I, I think it's an important like I like how you look at it in chapters of your life because then obviously you went from playing days maximizing your potentials maximizing your coaching potential at that time and then got out of it to study as you said, uh, yeah, personal growth, sorry, and human development, which is mm. important. So my next question for you was, you did the TEDx talk on unleashing female potential, which is amazing. I have personally watched it seven times so far, and I keep learning every single time. Early in the talk, you say something very interesting, which I personally can relate to. You said that you find tennis fascinating because of the problem-solving aspect and that the ball never bounces in the same spot twice in a row. Just like life, no two decisions will be the same. For those listening right now, can you explain how tennis has helped you develop such amazing character and how you have used tennis to help you achieve extraordinary things in your life? Um, Yeah, well, thanks um, for those comments and and complimentary statements about the TEDx talk. It was was six months preparation, 33 drafts over in 13 minutes. So that's just being honest. uh, It was quite a, um, a chunk of time I really gave to it because it was important to me it was you know I really value um TEDx talks myself and you know I think that tennis is more than just a game it's actually a metaphor for life and you know one of the greatest things about our sport is it really teaches you micro moments of resilience mm. you know one minute you feel success and then the next minute you you fail you know you're failing you're coming first you're coming second and, you know, even to win a match 6-4, 6-4, you know, that might be the difference of only four points. Uh, so I think, you know, tennis is, is a game um, as well as many other sports that, you know, really teaches you how to get over yourself and also how to, to really go beyond what you thought was ever possible. You know, I probably didn't even think I was good enough to play college tennis, you know, and it's, and it's those moments where you have that self-doubt and if you can push through it and really embrace that battle of competition that is, you know, makes up a huge part of my coaching uh, philosophy, I think that you can teach not only yourself as a coach but the players that you impact so many life lessons. And I think resilience is one that comes to mind. You know, it's also in, in the top five traits of what makes it a champion and that's life, isn't it? I mean, mm. it's, not, it's not smooth sailing we, we hit roadblocks all the time and, uh, you know, I think that that's what tennis has taught me and also the TEDx taught me just how amazing it felt when I finished. <laughs> yes. 
No, no, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think like what you said there about using tennis as a metaphor, like for life, it, it, it you're right. It, it is very similar to, you know, what you're going to experience in a day-to-day basis, almost like not every single day is the same and not every decision is the same. So on the court, like you said, the micro moments, you know, you have to make decisions so quickly and is it the best decision at the time or is it not? Well, you'll find out. And it's just the same, like when you're making a decision, you know, today or tomorrow, you don't know how exactly it's going to play out. So, you know, I strongly believe that as coaches, we can teach that to our players, then they're going to have, you know, maybe a you know better quality of life and, you know, show a bit more resilience or, you know, the other skills and the values that you can learn from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think also, you know, probably important to to note there that the TEDx was about unleashing female potential and uh, many CEOs here in the States um, who played college sports go on to achieve great career success. Mm. Um, You know, there is a a parallel there and, you know, you can see how sport, when you do really experience it to your fullest capacity, whatever that might be, I mean, certainly, you know, as a junior, I, I struggled to represent NSJTA, you know, the, the regional team, yes. <laughs> um, you know, just scraped in a couple of times. But the point being, if you limit yourself back then as a child and think, oh, well, you know, if I'm struggling to make this, how am I ever going to make a career out of this? I mean, it's that, that type of thinking. Well, I mean, the TEDx is an example of the opposite of that thinking is, is what I mean. Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. But with developing such resilience, like was it was majority of it your like from your coaching days, like being coached by your coach or learning when you were coaching children or from your family? Oh, I think uh, your values are just a combination of everything, aren't they? Yeah, uh, and it's all that, isn't it? It's culture, family, environment, coaches, and you know, I think it is important that we do acknowledge that we are role models and we play such a huge part in the lives of the people that we coach. And just not never to take that for granted. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a combination of, of all of it that yeah. make up our values. No, good point. And now that I'm in the coaching world a bit more and, you know, enjoying it so, so much, like I can see how important it is to, you know, be a good role model to the kids and, you know, live and breathe your values and, you know, lead by example rather than just talking about it. You know, the kids, you know, they can feel inspired by it and they'll go home and they'll talk about, you know, the goal setting or what, what they learned at tennis. And, and then you see them transition it into their everyday life. And that's, you know, that's ultimately the goal of a coach, isn't it? Well, most coaches, I would assume, is to, you know, to make better people, not just better players. Yeah. And I always say, uh, you know, our, our number one job is to make ourselves redundant so that the yeah. player can discover their inner coach, you know, when they're out. And that's why I still love the fact that we can't, well, technically, <laughs> coach during a match you know you've got to get, provide the skills and the tools for them to coach themselves during the match and I, I really love that aspect of our sport yes no no exactly right exactly so you and I talk about empowering language for all of our students and the importance of having great mentors around you say for those who haven't yet found great mentors or coaches what do you suggest they you know the questions they ask to be able to know if they have found a good mentor or coach well first of all I think that uh, a great mentor asks great questions. And, you know, we talk about, Mario, you and I talk a lot about this concept of listening, uh, rating in, in the top three responses of what makes a great coach. And I think it's listening beyond the words. If a mentor is able to see beyond what somebody says and really get to know the person for who they are, not just what they say, um, I think then 
hopefully be honest and they may or may not be able to sort of light up a pathway that you may or may not have even considered. So I think that that is really important that the questions are all centred around how to really get to know you as a person. It's not just you as a coach. Um, If you can get a snapshot of the entire picture and really get to the, the core of what might be holding someone back or the core of helping them dream much bigger than, than what they are or helping them transition when maybe they're stuck under somebody that doesn't have the same values as, as what they do. We won't go into it, but maybe that sounds familiar when we first met. So, yeah. you know, I think that it is about listening and I think it great questions like what questions and how questions and tell me more and peeling back the layers like on, on the onion before you even begin a mentoring relationship is, is really important. Yes. No, no, I couldn't agree more. I definitely feel the same way about that. It's just like when you, like as an example, you have a few kids transition into your program and I was also, and I know from experience when we've spoken about it, you know, let's say a player will show you what their, you know, what their serve or forehand looks like. And before you, you can even say anything, they'll be like, yes, I know this is what it looks like and this is what's wrong. And it's that constant negative reinforcement that they're actually, you know, they know what's wrong, but they don't know how to fix it. So I guess my question there is, is like the players that are going through that period or even, you know, it doesn't have to be in tennis, it could be anything in life, but how do they break out of that cycle? Yeah, I think um, you hit the nail on the head there and that I, I actually talk about that in the in the TEDx, if anyone hasn't checked it out, that, that exact scenario, Yes. Uh, you know, and what my advice is, you know, step one is self-awareness and a lot of people are very self-aware. But having self-awareness in the present state, in that present moment, is important, step one. Step two is to look to the future. What most people do is they look to the past. So with empowering language, they'll say exactly what you just said, you know, oh, I know that I do this wrong and I do that wrong, uh, et cetera. But I think step two really needs to be that you need to be future-focused and look forward and then only address the past if it's blocking your future state. So step three is then once you've got the the future vision of what you want, not what you're doing wrong, what it is that you need to improve, then start with small wins. Uh, Mm. I'm I'm huge on stretching your comfort zone first. Just begin with small things that you can achieve, one or two specific things. Uh, Maybe that's just changing your elbow position on the serve to be lower than your shoulder. You know, just start with that and the feeling of that first as a small win to stretch your comfort zone because there'll always be roadblocks, but how do you reframe that roadblock into a challenge that you can overcome? So step one, self-awareness. Step two, future-based thinking. And then step three, start with small wins. Yes. No, I love that. So uh, that, w- that would be pretty much the, the questions they would ask themselves, like it, it, not just in tennis, but even in business or, you know, personal Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yep. Take a snapshot of where you're at. Think about what it is you want, not what keeps going wrong. Only address the past if it's blocking the future state. And then step three, you've got to get two small wins under your belt so you gain momentum. Yes. No, no, I completely love that because I know when we do our goal setting, you know, we have our plan and then our action steps and, you know, reviewing them and, okay, did this work? Did this not work? And then, you know, forming a new plan. And that's ultimately, you know, life. That's the journey. Not everything, just because you set out a goal doesn't mean you're actually going to achieve it with these certain steps. It's, you know... You have to make some mistakes and learn from it or you might get it straight away. Yeah, and we always, uh, as we do on our mentoring calls, Mario, um, no more than five minutes, you know, like just going over your action steps. Did you take, you know, did you take action? Did it work? Did it not? What can we do better? 
but no more than five minutes. And then, the, you know, the, the life coaching is about unlocking the learning that lives within you. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you, you have to really get future-based because if people get stuck in the past and what went wrong, then you can spend a good 45 minutes and not get anywhere. Yeah, see, I think that's very that's a very valuable uh tip and point just in general we tend to focus way too long on things that didn't go well instead of five minutes let it go and then you know 45 minutes on potentially what will work instead because you mentor a a variety of people like you could mentor students that play tennis or ceos of you know massive companies how do you teach them to fall in love with the growth mindset if they actually don't have the growth mindset yet yeah i think it's a it's a really good point uh obviously it's it's certainly been a, a term coined by Carol Dweck, and uh, it's been very popular now for a few years. So a lot of people have even heard of it. But the truth of the matter is that we have 65,000 thoughts a day and 80% are negative. So the glass is half empty um, before we even sort of get there. Even if you, you meet the most positive of people, it is difficult because we're surrounded you know, by the media or the news, which is you know predominantly telling us some um, the world's a crazy place, which it is right now. Mm. You see, I just said, I just acknowledged that. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but the point really is the formula that I think is really important, and this works really does work really well with um, CEOs and, and managers of companies, is about competition and in being in line with their psychosocial development. So, for example, let's go back to sport for a minute and then I'll transfer it back over to corporate. If you want to really um, help people fall in love with the growth mindset, then remember the important aspect is to encourage effort and to encourage what I say. I always start out with personal bests um, to take away comparisons because most of the time we get stuck in a rut of a fixed mindset because we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. Mm. So, if you can do like a self challenge and no one else is in this um, little competition except for yourself, then that's a great place to start. Like just to, to say, all right, I'm going to do this for me and maybe you're accountable. You need to be accountable to someone, usually like your mentor or a coach or a life coach. And then you give yourself that self-challenge. Again, make sure it's a small win, but it is a competitive scenario in line with yourself. And you think about that in tennis, just how many times can you tap the ball on the side of the racket? Then you might do a paired cooperative challenge then you might do a team challenge before you might then play a game of singles or doubles and make it pressurized format so a competition is a great way um, is a great motivating factor and obviously that's why gamification has been so popular over the last few years mm-hmm. to really adopt this this growth mindset in the fact that once you finish that competition it's a matter of saying thank you for making me a better player and yeah. thank you for the chance to compete today and i'm inspired by your success and the better you play, the better I'm, it's going to make my game. And it's my, these, again, we go back right back to these micro moments of resilience and you, you get that through competition. So that might be sporting competition or it might be something in the workplace where you've got to hit your KPIs. Mm. Um, you've got to hit your, your bonus. Um, you've got to hit your, your numbers, your targets. Um, no matter what's happening, you've still got to strive to, to reach those, those numbers. I mean, that's the game of business. That's competition. And so how do you teach it? Get them to fall in love with it by starting with uh, encouraging the effort is the the most important part of the growth mindset. You need to value that. You need to reward that. And then you need to always change sort of the scoring format so that they fall in love with that element of 
gamification where I'm inspired by your success. Did that make sense? Of course. No, no, definitely, definitely. It makes a lot of sense, especially with the, you know, setting the effort and then having the competition with yourself and then expanding it out to, you know, let's say more people. And I, and I think it's yeah, important yeah. not to not to compare your successes with others. I mean, it's it's really not hard. Not too early. Yeah. Yeah, not too yeah. early. But yeah, you- sorry, I mean, if you can use like others successes as motivations to be like okay they've achieved it you know then i can achieve it and how am i going to achieve it Um, which is mentoring isn't it i mean you know one of my favorite questions to ask my mentors that i come across is you know what's been your most successful failure because if i can learn from your mistakes uh then that's gonna that's gonna propel me to to say okay i want to add that tool into my toolkit so i don't so i'm not faced with that or i can do a better job of handling that yes exactly Exactly right. I think I think you and I have spoken about it many times, or and I was, you know, you've said it to me many times as well. That you obviously can't cheat time, but you can cheat like you know ex- other people's experiences or learn from other people's experiences and avoid that same costly mistake that takes a lot of time. And you know that's that's such an important part of life. Like reach out to the people that you know you want to be like and have achieved what you want to achieve, and ask them the right questions about how does it feel to be successful, but you know, what are your biggest, you know, successful failures? Because that way you can avoid them and you'll probably learn way more from their, you know, mistakes or failures. 100% agree. Yes. No, I love that, Em. Can you share one of your biggest challenges and, well, yes, most successful failures? <laughs> I thought that question might come next. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I sort of left myself into that one, didn't I? Yes. Uh, I think if I, going back to when you asked me, you know, about my chapters, certainly you know, at the end of each of those chapters are certain reasons why you pivot or you change direction. And one of my biggest challenges was when I was burnt out with the game and I felt that I only related to, you know, maybe half my players and I just was really stuck and really not enjoying being out on the court and not enjoying not having enough tools to deal with, especially different types of parents you know, of course, I thought, oh, well, you know, tennis parents, I mean, we've all heard about them and now I'm living, I'm living this. And then what I realized is certain parents are just auditory data digital learners. I mean, some of them just need a lot of information. Some of them need constant communication and no one knows their child usually better than, better than they do. And I really, really flipped me um, when I got out of tennis. That was probably the biggest challenge was just confronting that and, and getting out and then knowing what to study and what to do was huge. You know, there's a lot of fear around career changes and it propelled me back in to, towards my future success because I realised that I had to change who I was um, and I had to have more tools in learning preferences and behavioural styles and how to do a much better job of communicating with different types of people and not just always getting along with people who were like me. To be honest, the classic example is our relationship, Mario you're very different to me and we we learn differently and while we do have similar values uh i think the reasons why our relationship works is because i guess in in many ways the the information that we talk about and the way that we set our future-based goals is completely in line with bringing out the best in you because it's really nothing to do with me um it's your life so all you can do as a you know as a mentor i guess is, is provide a an environment and that's what we do as a coach we, we just provide an environment to, to unlock the learning um yeah. and also one of the mental you know when i faced a lot of my toughest challenges that one in particular and also actually to be honest speaking 
in the tennis world and being, you know, one of only a handful of female speakers and constantly up against, you know, very confident male presenters who, you know, haven't always empowered me. Um, I would ring one of my mentors back home and he would always say, when and I'd go, I feel like shit, this just happened mm. and, um, you know, I think I should just give it all away and, you know, I'm sure we all have those feelings and he would say, this is what being successful feels like, <laughs> looks like and sounds like. You are right on track. And I was like, well, it feels terrible. And yeah. he's like, yep, but if you run away, then, you know, you'll miss out on this great lesson that this person's teaching you. You know, and again, half the time when you step back and you think, okay, well, what is this person teaching me or, or what is it that they're not facing in their life or is it projection or, you know, you get much better at separating the, the emotion from the behaviour. And once you can do that, it's, it's easier then to, to make clearer decisions. But that would be, that, that was a really tough time and, and then, you know, certainly a lot of personal challenges as well and even now living in America and not being close to my family back in Australia, you know, that's hard at times. Uh, yeah. No, no, definitely. I personally love your story because you went, you transitioned from a high performance player, high performance coach, and then, you know, completely threw yourself into something that like a career that, you know, most tennis coaches wouldn't go down. Like you wanted to learn more about, you know, what makes people tick, you know, the, the different learning styles. And as you said, you would have been really nervous going into a new career change. And and anyone that, you know, is listening right now needs to, you know, I feel like they can learn a lot from you, especially if they reach out to you and, you know, you can personally help them. But, you know, being scared or being, you know, afraid is normal. It's a great part of actually, you know, growing yourself. And that's something that I've learned from you is that, you know, if you don't know something, chuck yourself in the deep end, give it a crack and then see where you're going to go with it. Mm, I mean, what's mm. the worst that's actually going to happen? You know, you fail yeah. and it doesn't work out. You know, it's not that... Yeah bad in the grand scheme of actual life like life is you know it's a long journey yeah and two things i'll just pick up on what you just said there if i can yeah uh one would be that that really suits your personality um to throw yourself out of you know like into the deep end so often some of the things that that you and i talk about you know i'm really maybe we talk about big stretch goals and and that really suits you most of the people that I work with, I love the the phrase stretch your comfort zone. So some people can handle jumping out of their comfort zone or, or throwing themselves into the deep end. But I love what, you know, what's maybe one thing that you can just stretch, that you could just strive for, that you could just reach and just add into your playing toolkit or your coaching toolkit and just focus on that. And when, when you get that, then, then maybe stretch a little further. Again, coming back to the, the metaphor of an onion, I really love that. And, and neither's, neither one is right or wrong. Mm. Um, you've just got to be honest with yourself and say, what's going to suit me better and how, you know, how is this going to serve me right now in my life and what, what else is going on in my life? So that was one thing just in the language that I wanted to pick up on. And I forget the other thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should have written it down. Um, stretch your comfort zone and... Can't remember. There's something else in what in what you said. Anyway, I'm sure it will, it will probably sure come it will. to you. Yeah, I'm sure it will. <laughs> no, no, that's right. And sometimes I actually do forget that. And obviously, that's you know what I love about you is again, like I said at the intro, you're not going to you know you're going to pull me up and say, hey, just because you're like this doesn't mean that other people are going to be you know similar to you. And sometimes I forget about that, and I'm just like, I don't understand it. And mm. then, you know, when I talk to you, you're like, hey, you know, not everyone's going to be curious. They don't need to be. That's who you are as a person. 
So don't yes. expect everyone, you know, in your program to be like that. And hence, yeah. you know, when you discuss it with me, you know, learning your students, you know, the best way to communicate to them. Are they right. very ambitious? Are they, you know, are they happy just, you know, going slowly and enjoying the step-by-step process? Um, yeah, I forget what the step is. a really interesting step. Maybe you could look it up about change as well. You know, most people would, would prefer to, it's something crazy, like to stay in their, in their bubble mm-hmm. than actually um, grow and, and stretch. So it, rather than change, so most people will avoid change. Uh, oh, that was it. I knew it. It's come back to me. Um, <laughs> so because one of the questions you said was what's the worst thing that can happen? So one of my top mentoring tips there is ask yourself three questions um, and then based on your personality will be based on which question you start or finish with. But um, what's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario? And what's the most likely case scenario? And, and the quicker you can get at that little snapshot, if you can run through those questions um, quite quickly, then often you'll end up taking action on the most likely you know, case scenario because if you can handle what's the worst thing, okay, I can handle that. Mm. What's the best thing? You beauty. Okay, what's the most likely thing? That's probably going to happen and take action on it. That's what separates people and that's what propels people into helping them make change. Mm. No, see, that's, see they're, they're the types of strategies. This is why I get mentored by UM. It's amazing because, like, obviously I'm 25 and I've had nowhere near the experience like you. So for you to yet. share that yet, yet yeah, <laughs> slowly, slowly. Yep. Well, probably, yeah, well, not slowly. You know that I like taking big steps. Um, <laughs> you do. So, yeah, they're, they're the types of strategies that anyone listening now, you know, can easily just apply to their life. And, you know, if you can't, then find someone that can help you with that. I personally find it you know, easier to be accountable with a mentor, like, and some people are, you know, very, very, I guess, switch. Uh, look, I'm sure that everyone that has achieved a lot of great stuff in life has had mentors to guide them in the direct, in the right direction. For sure. I, I don't 100%. feel like, personally, I don't believe like you can achieve extraordinary things by yourself. It would be very difficult. Yeah. It's always influences. Yeah. Correct. So um, for those wanting to reach you, yeah. What's your best contact details? Uh, info at emmadoyle.com.au. I always uh, keep Australia close to my heart. My heart. So yes. info and then at emma e w m a doyle d o y l e dot com dot au is the the best email to reach me on. Also, as you know, I've been uh, working hard on a new online um, educational resource. It's um, courses from neurolinguistic programming. I've got a life coaching course, Empower Hour, Presentation Blueprint, How to Be boost your speaking skills and I've got a whole coach membership site there is it www.acecoach A-C-E, and then the word coach.com.au perfect I'll definitely be putting it all into the the podcast details where to reach you the TEDx talks and uh, there's another tennis I think it was tennis con- uh, congress talk uh, talking about coaching personalities or how yeah, to coach to, that yeah, that's a really, really good one. So yeah. for the coaches, especially out there, I would recommend watching that one. I know that if I feel like I'm not communicating well, I always check that one out. And yes, M, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and giving your time up for this. So thank you so much. You're absolutely welcome and keep up the great work by uh, throwing yourself out of that comfort zone <laughs> and the rest of us can just keep stretching one day at a time. Thanks yes. so much, Mario. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you. No problem, Em. Thank you so much. And again, I'll keep annoying you and picking your brain. So, <laughs> uh, Always, always. You're always welcome. Awesome. Thanks, Em. I'll chat to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And there you have it, folks. I hope that you all got some serious value out of that episode. 
Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share the love by subscribing, sharing it with a friend and leaving a review. If you're wanting to reach out or stay up to date with us, check out our Facebook and Instagram page at Spark Tennis Oz. See you next week.